0: Tonight
3: we will go back in time the seasons pass when 22 men embraced the rugged fields of yesterday fighting for one more first down one more yard gain one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight, we'll explore the world of Gridiron Greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats football it's history its memorabilia on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network, in conjunction with Slick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallyford Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Slick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine,
2: I'll be your host for the show.
3: Gridiron Greats Magazine is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia, and you can find us on the web at www.gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored in part by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website at msbsportscards.com. And also by BST Auctions. Check out their website on their upcoming auctions, for BSTauctions.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host, who is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Grace Magazine, a football memorabilia historian, specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular red Grapes, and also Seattle Seahawks items, in particular Steve Arch. He hails. From Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show.
2: Great to be here, Captain, as always, sir.
3: And I'd like to express, before we get started, to all our military men and women, veterans, past and present, who have served today's Armed Forces Day, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy and peaceful Armed Forces Day. And thank you and all our veterans and current members of the military who are serving for their service to our country. Well that, sure. Bob. You and I talked briefly about some unopened material that has gone to auction. Can you give our audience a
2: little feedback and background on it? Well, I'm a, it used to be a big unopened guy. But a couple of years ago, I kind of uh, changed focus on how I collect, just like all of us are privy to do. But a Mile High Up and Coming has uh, a large cache of unopened material wax that they found that uh, an article came out about in SCD. Uh, the, the showcase of this is the 48 Bowman Baseball partial set, a uh, mm-hmm. partial box. But uh, we're, a, we're a football podcast. So we uh, we we glaze over the, those details and move right onto the football unopened that we found. 61 mm-hmm. tops football nickel packs full box. 62 tops, one of the hardest sets out there, the black bordered beauties, partial box, 20 out of 24. 62 Fleer and 61 Fleer football. They don't say what series. Obviously, if this is first series, it'd be kind of a kind of a windfall. That's very very rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, second series mm-hmm. is is pretty common, but. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of unopened uh, being found out there, and not just football, but baseball. And uh, also in that mix was a a 61 Fleer basketball. I mean, you know, like I said, we're football, but, you know, you can't be a collector and not have paid attention to 61 Fleer Fleer, uh, basketball set at some point, and, you know, it's uh, just amazing. Uh, We've talked about it before, just how much much unopened is out there, how much more is to be found, how much is stuffed in a closet somewhere. It's amazing. These things amaze me.
3: Uh, one one thing that Joe I want you to, to tell our audience uh and you have a lot of experience in unopened material. Uh how or what kind of uh not so much correlation do you imagine that can come out of these types of wax boxes and wax packs, but how many cards are, are permanently damaged from the wax pack, meaning that, that the glue might from the wrapper might um I don't know, for lack of a better term, melt into the Last or the first card, or the gum might uh, disintegrate into the card. What's your um, background on that? As for as far as what's happened to you when you've opened uh, an open material like that. Great,
2: great question. The oldest unopened I've ever opened, I think, is 78. Oh, well, I've actually I've had a couple like, uh I want to say like a 55 Bowman accidentally flop open on me, and you see the gum. But, mm-hmm. uh, that, that's a very good question. Uh, even even as recent you know packs like 1984 you know which is one that you know my favorite uh, the gum mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. Know, almost permanently stains cards up against uh, and they usually have the seal you know up against the gum uh, so you get into something like uh, I've I've had 61 Fleer football packs uh, before but I've never opened one interestingly enough that's that's I, I just thought of that uh, 62 mm-hmm. football I've I've uh, I've never seen a pack. So oh, I've never owned a pack excuse me I've seen them out there but uh 61 tops football I used to have I don't know where the where the gum is positioned in uh you know in accordance with like the you know the uh the seal on the back but as you mm-hmm. know you know being a, a a young lad who's opened his share of wax packs you know the uh the wax seal you know you know used to used to leave a a line where the you know where the roller would run down it and the gum stain is sometimes you can get that mm-hmm. gum stain out. I mean, I've heard people talk about taking a nylon and rubbing it out. You know, you're basically heating the gum up to, you know, to liquefy it, and then the and then the the nylon picks it up. I've seen people heard people talk about using a hairdryer. I've uh, heard all kinds of different methods. Mm-hmm. But yeah, mm-hmm. in general, just the age of this, you know, the pack, just the edges that get dinged up. But you know, the provenance of these unopened box is that this was a, uh, I think it was a salesman. He uh, was either a salesman or a rep for the company and he was mm-hmm. you know out you know the person who was out on the road who was supposed to set these up as displays and he uh he just stuffed them in a the closet and it's just fascinating to think about how many more of these packs boxes are stuffed in closets somewhere and the holy grail mm-hmm. you know we've talked about what our holy grail would be in 48 leaf football 35 chicle. um you know i mean those would be amazing finds and you can keep your fingers crossed that somebody's got a you know, somebody's got a grandfather or a great-grandfather who worked for Leaf or Chickle who stuffed one of those boxes in their closet and they'll come to market one of these days and think of right. the fireworks that go off with just a 48-leaf pack. Right. We've seen racks, wax paper wrappers, but never seen a, a full Leaf football pack. I mean, and that's not so distant history. I mean, what is that? 52, I mean, that's 60, 70 years ago and not even yeah. have... Yeah. You know, a, a visual of what the what the display looks like is pretty incredible.
3: Well, I think what what will be interesting to me. Well, what's interesting to me is a. I know there are a lot of investors out there who buy the unopened material and they
2: mm-hmm. they, they just yeah. sit on
3: it. They get it get it wrapped. They get it slabbed. Totally. Yada yada yada, and they never open it. But what will be interesting to see is over the next year or so of any actual real old unopened wax packs actually get open and they get documented, obviously on like a YouTube video or something like that.
0: And That's as such, point.
3: we can actually see yeah, see what, what happens with the card. It was interesting you brought up the 84 Tops because probably, I would say five or six months ago, I was at a show and a dealer had some 83 Tops football, and a couple guys bought uh, the remaining packs he had, and they ended up breaking them open. And it was interesting to see one one card was basically ruined with the wax yeah. on it, and the other card basically had the gum literally adhered to the front of the card. So it was basically yeah. the 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 gum was on the top card of yeah. the pack, so it would be
2: you know raised yeah. up slightly, so like, and uh, then you had yeah, the, the wax he, seal go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And the the eighty the eighty four football, the gum was in the middle, so they had that. Uh, it was okay, like okay, 11, okay. 11 cards on one side, 10 on the other with the uh, play, you know, the scratch-off play card in the middle and then the gum. Yep. I and mean, so you got a lot of bowing, you know, the, the, the bottom would bow, uh, you know, as it, as it wrapped around the gum. And that, that card was ruined, you know, and then the gum faced the play card on the other side. So that was a push. Yeah. Of any football, I've opened the most 84, 84 football. So.
3: It's, it's amazing to yeah. see, and I remember two or three years ago at a national, I opened up a '76 uh, Waxback football, uh, figuring I would probably get three or four paintings out of the pack, uh, but obviously I didn't. And uh, it was interesting to see the gum actually did not adhere to the top card, mm-hmm. and it was it That's was right. it was pretty um, pretty clean, and I, I knew it was not a, a rewrap because it was one of my own card one of my own packs i bought back in 76 i put them away and i still have a bunch of packs from the 70s and 80s that I still have i open them on occasion one way or the other but i was fascinated to see what a nasty pack that was all commons but there were beautiful (laughs) commons seeing them come out of the packs because they were they were basically almost gem mint coming out and i didn't have any wax seal problems which i think was the reason being they were stored pretty well over the years uh, you know, over the past 40 years plus when I bought them and some of these flips.
2: So it's, it's kind of interesting is, to see that. And, and this is tough because uh, unopened wax is, is very nostalgic to me. I mean, I look at a box, you have a picture on the, uh, on the SED article of the, the 62 tops football. And you think about mm-hmm. how hard it is to get good graded 62 tops. Uh, or, And, and you just think about all of the all the, the packs that were opened to get you know the the population we have now, and it's incredibly nostalgic to look at that. But unless you have provenance, something like this, I mean, you know, resealers and uh, you know and, and fake wax packs. I mean, even you know, some mm-hmm. years ago, you know, I, I discovered there was somebody out there making fake BBCE, you know, uh, you know, shrink wrap and and labels. Yep. Yep. You yep. know, we've talked about the, the, the crooks the crooks out there being one step ahead of us. I mean, you know, so I look at packs like this, and it's kind of, I mean, I'm just touching on one hand, this is exciting, this is cool. On <laughs> the other hand, like, this is the break or one find where, you you know, you have provenance where you can be like, this is authentic versus, you know, something like this just came to market through an auction. Right, right.
3: And it's interesting. I, I, um, I briefly looked at some of my 60s stuff over the past couple of weeks. My sets, and I, I did look through my 62 set, and man, I got some serious beaters in that set, and I also got some <laughs> nice cards, and uh, you know, again, because I wasn't, you know, condition, condition prone when I Sensitive, bought all yeah. stuff, whatever yeah. I found, I, you know, if it was card number 100 for the set, that's where it, that's yeah. where it went. I but uh, the 62, yeah, I know the black border, it's almost like the 85 tops with the, you know, similar yeah. black border, and a similar yeah. problem, you know, thirty some of, or twenty some odd years later, printing. Best, totally. You know, they couldn't get the black borders consistent one way or the other. So
2: uh, truly really amazing. You think about the you think about the cards in this '62 set. I mean, um, you know, it, yeah, it's pretty incredible. There's it just it, it's it's one of the more difficult sets out there. Uh, you yeah. know, like I started just, down that path once and then gave up uh, just because it was. I mean, just a PSA seven or PSA eight card. Was was mm-hmm. that was that was back in my PSA days when I you know was a was a collector, you know
3: a, a set collector. Yeah, I I that that's to me a set. To me, it's a shame that they're slab number one, especially the '62s. I think they're more meant to be enjoyed, uh, you know, sheets uh, and, and just. Well, enjoy, the years just enjoy of the the years
2: of exposure. The years of exposure to you, Bob. I'm starting to drift to be your way, where uh, more and more of my set, my my collection, is raw or, you know, in plastic top holders where I can pull them out and, and hold them as, you know, God intended. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean seriously, I mean, I, I,
3: I was talking to a, a long-time collector the other the other afternoon on the phone, and he was saying, sure, yeah, he just, he, he's kind of like me, but he's a lot older than me. Um, he just said, I, I just can't get into these graded cards. And he's been <laughs> offered numerous numerous times. For, you know, people want to, want to grade his stuff, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I just can't do it. He says, maybe when I'm dead and gone, whoever disposes of it, let him, let him grade
2: it. But, you know, not now. Yeah, I can't problem, do that. Problem is, problem is whenever anybody comes over to his house with his cards, he tells them to get off his damn porch. You know, that <laughs> it is just, just unbelievable. <laughs>
3: Well, yeah, we talk about unopened material. I, I distinctly remember 1965 tops, first first cards I ever opened as a kid. And I distinctly remember, uh, you know, thinking about it, that there's the magic rub off emblem in the 65 wax pack. And I mistakenly put a lot of those on notebooks and stuff as I was growing up,
0: and um,
3: I played with them. But the 65 tops unopened uh, had the. Uh, bubble gum on the top top card and the bottom was the um, magic rub off. And so when you opened up the pack, you got the rub off and then you had to take all your cards out and then your gum was either sticking to the top of the pack or to the top card. And then I obviously would chew my gum uh, right then and there, have a good wad and my, my jaw and study my cards afterwards. <laughs> and uh, it, it was pretty, pretty neat to, to think about You know, going back to 1965, again, if we said it once, we said it 100 times. The hobbies evolved. It was never, never, really wasn't a hobby at one time. Now it's a multi million dollar business, yada, yada, yada. But at the same time, you know, for purists like myself, uh, 2016 football season was pretty bittersweet because there was no top space cards available, everything was uh, panini. And there are 5,000 different brands, or, or how many ever they had that they printed, and it just—it just it's just does not feel the same to me not opening up any any uh, top football for the year. But I have very very pleasant yeah. memories, uh, to say the least, for the uh, for the '65s yeah. opening them up and the '65 Phillies, which hold the dear spot in my are all the Phillies yeah. sets. Um, I still remember two. Uh, one of the smaller places I used to buy cards, which my mother never liked me going, was a was an old um, couple that ran a um, like a soda and candy shop in Brantford, Connecticut. And then you would walk in, and automatically you would be deemed that you were um, you were stealing from them, type of thing. Even if you you know placed your order right in front of them, gave them gave them your change, type of thing. Anyways, um, I remember he had a handful of tax of sixty four Philly. Uh, when I went in there, and he didn't know what they were, he just said they were from they were older cards. So I remember buying two packs at one time of them. Those were my first 64 Phillies, uh, but this was very late uh, in the 65 season. But he had I rem I, I still remember seeing them on the display. He had all his candy and all the little wax boxes together and all that. It was pretty pretty interesting to uh, see.
2: For our guest, Bob and I had two topics we wanted to to discuss today, and uh, Bob perfectly segued over in our second topic. Our first section was uh, the unopened, you know, coming up for sale here pretty quick, and then we wanted to discuss a young, mustachioed, you know, Bob Swick as a child, uh, you know, buying 65 tops. We, We wanted to start taking, you know, sets and discussing them in depth, 65 tops being the captain's you know, first and uh, favorite set is what we decided to start Jim. and uh, the captain perfectly segue from wax into 65 wax I'm talking about that but I just, I, I love the, the memories uh, you know, you've you told the story a couple of times of just, you know, and I would just imagine a young version of you with a, a big bushy mustache as a, you know, a nine ten year old child. <laughs> I just, yeah. I was imagine you always had that mustache and just walking in and plunking your nickel down and buying it but you think about how rare 65 tops is right now. I mean, and you, you think about the rarity of that. And the, the captain of our hobby bought sixty-five tops, football wax packs, opened them up, and pulled a Joe Namath yeah. at one point out of a wax pack. Yeah. And there's there's and our still, history
3: right there. I still have that Joe Namath in my uh, in my collection. I won't get rid of it. But that is the current. Mm-hmm. and you know, I I graded probably BGEX because I did. I did handle it with my, my greasy hands back then and I studied it left and right and I and I can remember um when, when newspapers actually reported sports the way they did, um so many pictures of Namath in the paper, so I would compare those pictures to my card and sometimes I would say, Well, this card doesn't look real I mean he doesn't look like he looks like in on yeah. on T V or in the newspapers type of thing and uh so yeah. It's fa- fascinating, fascinating to think about
2: uh, what is, yeah. you know, the, the time frame and of I, looking at that stuff. You know,
0: it, it's, it's amazing. That name it
2: is a, v, it's a VG to PSA, but it's a PSA 10 in your heart, Captain. Uh, and I think I mentioned I happen to have an uncut sheet, a partial uncut sheet of 65 tops, and I'm looking at it right now. I brought it into the, uh, the uh, Portland, Oregon sound booth, a.k.a. my spare bedroom in my house where I usually do the show. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, this part this partial set is five, you know, it's five, uh, rows and, uh, 11 columns. So, I mean, it's obviously mm-hmm. half, you know, or, you know, or, or the lower half of a sheet. Uh, and mm-hmm. so right there in the middle of the sheet, you know, what would be the middle of the sheet? It's the top row of my partial is, you know, is, uh, you know, Hollywood Joe NamUs card. And, uh, mm-hmm. I've, uh. I, oh, and it's in, it's in horrid shape. I mean, uh, you know, the top's scuffed up. There's a crease down it. But at one point, you know, we've talked about how our collecting habits have changed. And, you know, I used to collect wax packs and, and cellos, Uh But mm-hmm. I was just – I became afraid of, you know, resealers. And I, my collecting habits, you know, about three, four years ago really drifted to uncut sheets because you just – you can't fake these. I mean, I'm looking at this mm-hmm. uncut sheet and I know – one hundred percent, my mind. This is real. This came off the factory floor. But here's Joe mm-hmm. Namath staring back at me, and I have sat down to try and figure out how these things were collated or what what sense they made of where they placed anybody on the sheet, and it, it mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Numerically, yeah. they're all over the board. Team wise, they're all over the board. You know, conference wise, they're all over the board. It's just, it's 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 interesting, and you know, I'm I'm wondering, you know keeping in line
3: with 65 tops. I, I do have a bunch of duplicates, a lot of them from my childhood. Maybe I should just stri- strictly collect now 65 tops football and just keep putting sets together uh, for my <laughs> remaining time collecting. And then I'll have like 14, 15 sets completed. and then flood the market with them. And so uh,
1: when, when
3: you
2: were a kid, when you were a kid, did you complete <laughs> the set? Uh, did you complete the set? Uh, no, I was,
3: I was short Probably a good 15 cards that escaped me, and it wasn't until the late 70s I actually found those cards. Because when I started going shows in the mid uh, mid 70s, late 70s, you know how tough it was trying to find football, and 65 tops were just were just nowhere to be found. And New Haven Coliseum had had a couple bigger shows, and uh, I hit upon a dealer from New York who actually had them, and I bought them. For some ridiculous price, I think he charged me like fifty cents a card or whatever. Back then, um, and uh, you know, I finished the up, but I always kept
2: my my duplicates. So and I picked duplicates along the way. Um, you know Through uh, do you know the difference in your '65 top set? Do you know the difference in your '65 top set of the cards you pulled as a kid uh, versus the cards you purchased later? Yeah, uh, yeah, I can tell. I
3: can definitely tell. I can definitely tell which was which, and I and I got a good handle on which shifting cards were there. I could probably dig out the notebook. I wrote it down in, uh, in my archives. But uh, <laughs> great memories. But our guest is here, and I want to move along. Oh. Our guest tonight is a commander of the Naval Forces Europe, 6 Fleet diplomat to the Italian naval commander of the United States Navy. He is an Ohio State football collector and Ohio State football historian. He's calling in from Rome, Italy. And I'd like to welcome to our show Mr. Dan Elfass. Dan, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, guys, thanks. I'm uh, greatly honored, first and foremost, uh, al- although I'm not calling from my spare bedroom uh, as, as, as <laughs> others are. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I. That that made me uh made me chuckle a bit, because uh, uh, I can just envision, you know, getting uh you know, you bought too many uh cards one day and that uh, and the old lady sends you and says, you know, you're not sleeping in here tonight and you're like, Okay, I'm fine going and sleeping with Joe Namath in the other room. Um that was <laughs> quite funny actually.
2: Uh, that's that's my job here is to to bring the comments
1: to
2: the show.
3: Go ahead. And as I mentioned before earlier in the show, Dan, I'd like to wish you a happy Armed Forces Day. Uh, we appreciate your service to our country and the Navy. I'd like to start off by asking you, give us some background on how you became interested in Ohio State football.
1: Well, uh, you know, growing up uh, as a kid in Canton, Ohio, of course, uh, you, you have very few choices in life, uh, according to your father. <laughs> and um, You know, Canton is uh, – sh- extremely close to Pittsburgh, so uh, I'll give a, a little bit of a leeway on the, the Pittsburgh fans that reside in Ohio, because, I mean, then again, you know, it, it, it's so close, and a lot of families, uh, you know, I have a lot of family in Apollo, PA, Pittsburgh, PA, um, so there was this gigantic overlap, and it was kind of, it was interesting, you know, the you talk about the, the these wars among families, uh, you know, uh, and um, inside my family, there was like the Pittsburgh side and then there was the Cleveland side. And then, uh, thank God we didn't have any family up in Michigan or I would have never been probably, a, you know, Ohio state Buckeye fan, but um, in Ohio where I, where I grew up, you know, uh, being a Buckeye fan was, uh, was kind of ingrained really early. Um, but, uh, you know, my, my, my start with Ohio state Buckeye stuff didn't really start until uh, I was well into the Navy. Um, you know, as, as Joe, you know, admit, uh, when you're playing around, uh, living a life on submarines, um, you, you, you kind of, you take on a role of, uh, uh, I don't know, your, your mind really has an opportunity to work, uh, at, a at looking for things that get you anywhere but being on the submarine. Um, you know, it's it, yeah. X number of feet long, X number of feet wide, and only so tall. There's no women there. There's no distractions. Now there are women actually, but, um, you know, we, Back in the day, so you know you could fantasize about you know your 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 college, uh, your your pro ball um, stuff would come across on the ticker tape and uh, you know yeah, I, I, I try not I, I try not to say the word fantasize when I'm talking about my sub days by uh, the way Dan yeah well you know you know but uh,
2: <laughs> kicking back in the, in the bunk
1: in the birthing,
2: fantasizing uh, football cards right? yeah, I mean
1: <laughs> exactly but you know you you kind of wanted to, you look for that escape and uh, and through the sports ticker, I mean, back in the day, I mean, I joined in 1986, and, and we didn't have uh, the technology they have today. So yep. radio room, I made friends quickly with the radio guys, and uh, I would be able to go in and uh, get the scores coming off. And it came across the, an old-school old typewriter, a teletype type of process. And, <laughs> you, and you would read the score and very few details about a game, and you had to use your imagination to kind of understand totally. what happened um i love that you know when when i was a young kid uh i discovered a 1927 ohio state michigan ticket uh in fact that was you know i was early i mean close to 10 years old maybe and i held that ticket i kept it and i used to take it on submarine patrols it kind of became a i don't know like a good luck piece or reminder of home um and it was small enough on a submarine because the those of you that have never been on a submarine, the space that you have, personal space, is extremely limited. Um, so were, that were, you was about were, you, were you an officer when you were an officer when you on a submarine? No, I, I no, forget. I think you were. Okay. No, so uh, I'm a, I'm kind of a uh, I'm an anomaly. Uh, I was I was fortunate enough. I came in the Navy as an enlisted guy in '86. Did boot camp, sub school, uh, A school, and C school for mm-hmm. technology. Then uh, hit the fleet and submarines as an electronics technician and this guy. Um, ultimately, I made chief petty officer after three submarine tours and a submarine tender tour. Um, and I had had put in a officer commissioning program package for what's called limited duty officer. Um, limited duty officers and chief warrant officers are uh, technical type officers, uh, and my the type of technical officer I was picked up under is a uh, electronics specific. Uh, w- which also embraces, of course, information system security management, um, all your automated data processing, and all of that stuff. Ironically, uh, you know. So anyway, I quickly went from submarines to my first surface ship as an officer. Uh, and Joe, you'll appreciate this. You know, bef- this That'd is before be internet, so I'm on the, I'm on the sh- on my submarine on my last patrol on USS Nevada as a chief petty officer. Going to commission in a few months, and, and I know I'm going to the USS Taylor. It's a frigate. I have no Look. idea what a frigate looks. Like. So I'm in Jane's Fighting Ships, looking uh, at different ships and uh, and uh, looking, and I, I, I'm trying to study what USS Taylor is as a frigate, and that's how I learned about my first ship. Um,
2: <laughs>
1: and, and needless to say, wow. when I showed up that day on the pier, I was uh, I was quite alarmed how small it was, and oh, uh, yeah. but it was a Fantastic, uh, fantastic thing. And I, so I was 1999 when I commissioned as an officer, and now, I'm, wow. like I said, I've been blessed. Now I'm a commander, so it's kind of two somebody careers. Was, uh, somebody was asking
2: me the other day about the, the room on the sub. I was like, I oh, you'd yeah, be claustrophobic." And I'm like, I, "I was on the Georgia, the USS Georgia, based out of Bangor up here. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. It, uh, and uh, I'm like, they're actually pretty roomy. They're 300 feet long. Yep. They're probably 100 feet wide." 60 feet. I mean, hey, I was on Georgia too.
1: Were you and I were you and I bunkmates at one time? No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> I was on Georgia also. <laughs> and I'm like, it's actually pretty roomy. Uh,
2: there's a there's an old submarine here, uh, the Blue. I forget the name of it, uh, but it's docked at a you know it's docked here in, in Portland. It's an old sub, and its claimed to fame is it was uh it was a sub that did the emergency blow in Hunter uh, hunt for Red October. And, and then that right after that, it was commissioned There is a decommissioned, and it sits here. And it's an old diesel sub. And people like, oh, yeah. you know, when they think of subs, they think of that. I'm like, no, that makes me claustrophobic. And, uh, like, but, yeah, our, our, yeah. our boomers
1: no, our, our boomers are the ballistic missile submarines, for those that don't know. Those are your, uh, you know, we have SSBNs, which are ballistic missile submarines. And then you have SSGNs, like Georgia, Florida. They've been converted to Tomahawk delivery and Navy yeah. SEAL delivery. Um but, you know, we've got all of, with all the fast attack boats today, they're all relatively good size. You know, a, yeah. a lot of heroes over the years in submarine force, uh, um, and I'm not taking away anything from my surface brethren because I'm also a surface guy. But, you know, you go back to the diesel <laughs> days of, of, you know, the 1940s. We lost 52 submarines in the Second War. and
3: um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, three in the Atlantic and only in 49 uh, in the Pacific. So Wow, um, I didn't know that. So anyway, Wow.
2: Yeah. you know, I, I actually thought it would have been more, just with, um, <laughs> pro, you know, prolific, you know, the, yeah. Anyways, wow, that's incredible. Well, it is, you know, the eve of Memorial Day and uh, Armed Forces Day, so I, I love the little tangents like that. I'm not sure if anybody <laughs> knew. I mean, I was, I was in the Navy. You know, I, I was a machinist mate, it. you know, uh, I, I think we both went to Nuke Power School, same spot in Orlando.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I actually, you're so you're a I, Nuke guy. So no wonder why you keep such great notes, because you're a nuke and I'm a coner. So I'm one of the forward et guys, and oh, okay. oh, got it. That's that's how you guys are able to keep all your 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 collections so perfectly square. <laughs> so if anybody I, I, knows, I, I, so a, a nuclear power guy versus a coner, which is a forward person, that that's almost as bad as the war between Ohio State and Michigan, or uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh.
2: <laughs>
3: I got <laughs> along I with everybody.
1: Surprised. We're all we're all on the same team. I got
2: along with everybody, if you can if you can imagine that. Uh, I have a hard time talking about uh, Ohio State stuff here, Dano, because uh, because Ohio State thrubbed Oregon, you know, University of Oregon, you know, in the Rose Bowl a couple of years ago. So uh, I'm still I'm still struggling to recover from that. Kind of like I, I still don't like the Pittsburgh Steelers because they beat the Seahawks in the 2005 Super Bowl with uh, you know a little bit of help from the referees.
1: But I digress. Well, does it does it does it help that the maybe the because the Browns just unfortunately my other team just thinks so badly that that makes up for it a little bit maybe. I don't no, know. No, not at all. Not not whatsoever. No, not uh,
2: damn but, it. But thanks for offering that up. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <The laughs>
2: so I, I collect football programs too. Mine are you know back from the Red Grange and uh, and Jim Thorpe days, but uh, I I still have a you know a run of. Uh, you know, like 1976 programs and tickets I've worked on for the first year of the Seahawks. So you you also collect Ohio programs and memorabilia. Tell us a little bit about that, that, that you know, fastened your collection, sir.
1: Well, so, you know, my collection kind of started with uh, I literally wanted it was kind of with that small theme of Ohio State versus Michigan, just tickets only. Um, unfortunately that spills over very quickly into programs and things like that. And so, you know, people, I would, I would, I would meet somebody and I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm really interested in this ticket. And they're like, well, I have a ticket, but I have a program also. You're welcome to both of them, but not one or the other. Um, Interesting. so I, I kind of started, you know, trying to, to my, my goal was all, all Ohio State Versus Michigan tickets uh, from our, the first win against Michigan in 1919 up to you know current day, and then all bowl games. Um, ironically, I was actually able to collect. I think I was missing. I'm missing like one. Uh, but then the bowl games. I was actually the 19 uh, the, the Rose Bowl that we played in the early 20s. That thing's eluded me, um, and they're just really really hard to come by for some strange reason. Um, so hopefully one day I'll locate one of those, but, uh, you know, again, so the, the, the programs, um, and as I, I don't know, as you guys know, as you start collecting, you, you, you start morphing your collection toward things that you like a little bit more. Um, yep. <laughs> so I, I really, I really started focusing on the, the Chick Harley, uh, uh, era of 1916 to 1919, um, and that really, anything pre nineteen thirty. I I was just absolutely fascinated with how any young team, whether it's pro or college, or even high school. You know, how do they become a uh, you know a, a dominant team, or how do they become powerhouse? Um, there's a lot of lessons learned in that, and and it was you know it intrigued me to see a little school. Uh, what originally was when Chick Harley landed in Columbus in 1916, it was you know there was no stadium. They were they were put 20,000 people in a stadium if they could possibly sell all those tickets, and huh. um, you know and they the program really started from the 1916 to 1919 t- timeframe, and so that's kind of where I I started with my programs. Um, and, you know, now I have a fair amount of the, like, it's particular, I'm, I'm having a decent time finding 1916 programs, believe it or not. Uh, 1919 programs I've, uh, have been a little bit of a challenge. Uh, 1917 and 18 have been uh, uniquely challenging. 18 with the war, I mean, we're talking about the first war. Um, so, yeah. you know, I don't know if they just mm-hmm. reduced printing things. Uh, or people just, you know, they 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 did a lot of recycling efforts, too, during the first yeah. and the second wars, uh, yeah. which sure people don't realize. And that's a big reason yep. why, and, it,
3: and it, to me, any program pre-1942 uh, is very rare, mm-hmm. because a lot of them did go to those recycling efforts. A lot of them were just, you know, basically thrown out type of thing.
2: They are rare as far as... Far as uh, yeah, I read it. I read an article from, uh, you know, from the world, you know, World War II once, and it talks about the voracious vacuum of paper recycling. And that, sure. that little adjective reminded me, you know, just reminds me of just what you said, just how much stuff just, you know, went to being recycled. I mean, and the tickets and programs, yeah, probably wasn't very nostalgic.
1: <clears throat> then. so, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it you got to think, you know, with the war bonds movements, and, and, and it yeah. was just patriotic. I mean, people, For, you know, the bigger bag you showed up with for recycling the more patriotic yeah. you were you know and and so you're everybody was funny. doing it and yeah so it's just something to consider when we're looking at these things and, and oftentimes it's not mentioned yeah totally What what, what <laughs> kind of trick early items do you have there I'm curious well um you know i i, I one thing that has eluded me in uh truth in advertising is one of his autographs i've been chasing one uh you know i i mm-hmm. i and then i was lucky enough to locate uh so I, i've i've stored i have <laughs> it's it's kind of funny the things you admit openly in the in the industry and then things you you, you know you you still chase so i have but i'm still chasing uh harley autographs um so Ironically, I mean, the guy lived a relatively long life, um, yeah. but you know, he spent 50 some years in a VA hospital in Illinois. Um, it's hard to believe that he didn't sign anything in any of those years. Um, right. Right. and yet that's his stuff is just not out there. Um, so either somebody's sitting on a hundred autographs somewhere or, uh, you know, it's just not really out there and available. Um. About three months ago, um, I was able to, uh, I, I bought from an estate of a fellow um, high school football mate of uh, Chick's, uh, a 1913 team photo of East High in Columbus, Ohio. Um, so it's got Chick Harley uh, and his all his teammates from the 1913 East High um, Columbus team. Uh, I've never seen another. Um, so wow. that's... Of all the things I have, that's you know, uh, my most you know, and it's right here in front of me, I, I have it framed and um you know numerous uh different photos uh that I've been able to locate over the years. Um different different folks, uh um wrists uh I've got some stuff through RMY. Um I in fact I bought a nineteen sixteen Ohio State versus Northwestern Panoramic. Uh yeah. it's a lot of people that don't know you know Ohio State or Chick Harley uh, don't know about it. there's a, there's a thing it was called the perfect play it was uh, it, it's kind of been mm-hmm. it was thrown around in the in the, in the teens and in the, in the 20s uh, basically this particular play was because uh, Northwestern was so stacked at the time um, you know that, that they titled it the perfect play and uh, basically Chick uh, he ran a 63 yard touchdown against the, the you know the very very heavy uh, team of uh, Northwestern. Um, and, uh, it's in a panoramic, uh, that I also have here. And, um,
2: you know, that's a beautiful piece. even his photos, beautiful piece. You, you, you've shown
1: pictures of that that's beautiful piece. Oh, thanks. I, I really appreciate it. And, you know, what's the sense in collecting things if you don't have a connection to it? And that's kind of back to the military thing. Guys, I've moved 36 times in my life as an adult. Well. OK, that's literally packing all my stuff and moving to a different house. So in 30 mm-hmm. years, plus 30, almost 31 years in the military, I moved 36 times. So that keeps that helps keep your collection kind of streamlined and and, and and it helps you. <laughs> it, you know, I, I'm serious. I, 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 I remember I remember moves. I, I literally I went and donated, you know, uh, 100,000, 200,000 baseball cards that were, you know, 1990 stuff. Uh, late 80s, unfortunately, you know, one ended up being, like, I don't know, 500 Sammy Sosa rookies, and then he went on a tear, and, you know, but you, but, so the, but the Harley stuff, you know, I, I mostly, I, I have some really, really good solid photos, um, I've started, uh, you know, focusing on the 1916 season, particularly because that was his first one, uh, tickets, um, I have, uh, four, of the tickets from the 1916 season, um, okay. which are, wow. you know, as you guys already mentioned, they're, they're uniquely hard to, to locate. And one of the, <laughs> Any well, uh, yeah. well, the, we, we played Oberlin one, one, uh, 1916, uh, scored 128 to zero. Um, oh. mm-hmm. that particular ticket so is so much it's for the mercy not only, longer. I have, <laughs> well, I, I, so I, I have that ticket, and then it was signed on the reverse by uh, Lynn St. John, who was the coach, um, which is pretty neat. And then uh, the Illinois game from 1916, uh, which was a huge game. Oh, yeah. That was uh, so the, the field was super muddy. It was a low scoring game. It was something like I think it was 7 6 was the final. And the, the, the Ohio State scored late in the game, and the field was so muddy that uh, apparently Chick Harley uh, requested uh, a new shoe, a replacement shoe. So he called over the kid, just calmly walks over, puts this new shoe on, goes out in the middle of the field, kicks a damn extra point, and wins the game. And it was, you know, it's kind of one of those. You have people in the in the heat of fire. You know, I've been shot yeah, at. Yeah. We've, we you know been and then you you have some people that just bring their game. Uh, yeah. And then everybody else is panicking, you know, and that—that's kind of why I associate with this little five foot seven guy because I'm I'm gigantic, tall guy at five foot six, and you know, and a guy like Chick Carly, you know, you—you kind of look at what he, you know, what he did, and what so inside. I don't know. I just kind of connected to him. Um, yeah, that quiet, quiet leadership is 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 incredible. I like it.
2: Oh well, just yeah, reminded me and, uh, reminded me of the caps. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's just fascinating. So, well, you mentioned you moved quite a bit, Dan. I mean, uh, you know, so you whittled your whittled your collection down. We we always like to ask people what the top five items in their collection are. I think we've heard about a couple of them, but uh, you know, it, w- what do you consider to be the top five items?
1: Um, well, I, I still have my the 1927 ticket that I've been carting around all these years that uh, has oh, been on every cool. deployment, every patrol. Um, <laughs> so that's literally right, right here at my desk.
2: <clears throat> that's very cool.
1: Uh, one of the things, uh, that, uh, is a uh, 1916. So it's Ohio state versus, uh, Wisconsin, uh, ticket and program. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they kind of call that Harley's, uh, you know, his, that was the game where he had his breakout game where he kind of could grab the national attention at it, even at a young age. Um, you know, this this kid was coveted by Michigan, Notre Dame, um, other major universities wanted him, and, um, and he went to this small school, Ohio State, for some reason. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's one major thing. And I already mentioned the Ohio State, the Oberlin um, College ticket uh, with Lynn St. John on the back. Um, also, I have an Illinois ticket from uh, 1916 season as well. And then, uh, you know, the, I already mentioned the 1913, the – the East High um, photo from his junior year. And, you know, the thing is, too, is I I haven't been insanely stupid either about the things I collect because I have storage units in the States still loaded with baseball and football cards, I must admit. Hmm. Um, Very cool. So I have, you know, I I have, you know, uh, safe deposit boxes, of course, uh, things like that. Because when I was a little kid, I don't – maybe that's why I connect with Harley when I was a little kid and you know, growing up in this, I I was born in 67. So growing up in the seventies and eighties, I didn't identify with anybody in that era. I would go to baseball card shows and I'm walking around buying 1950s Brooklyn Dodger cards for no reason. Um, you know, you mentioned finding football was really hard, but baseball was abundant. And, um, I kind of became a, a fair weather fan through baseball cards, uh, of baseball and of course, Cleveland Indians. Um, and I started collecting, you know, I fell in love with the idea of the Brooklyn Dodgers, the New York Giants, the New York Yankees, yes. the Cleveland Indians, just these teams yes. from the fifties that I never saw play, but there were all these stories. You, do you guys remember card shows in the seventies that the, the guys that were sitting at the tables, they're talking about these stuff. You know, they're, 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 they're like, remember right. Mickey Mantle and, you know, Roger Maris in 1961 and they hit the, you know, and, and it, I felt as a child of two divorced parents a connection through these collectors and, it, and I just fell in love with the idea or the romance of 1950s baseball and football. Um, you know, I'm, I'm like 13 years old, walking around buying up jimmy brown rookie cards and and and, uh and you know so i i recently took delivery of one storage unit and and some of my stuff was in there and i discovered that i had (laughs) 255 bowman sets 254 bowman sets a 48 bowman set i got i found a uh um chris i don't remember now um some chickles from 35 Um, Oh, you're collecting those way back, back. wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so I, I, and I just kind of, I don't know, I had a connection with that stuff, and I, um, some of the first baseball cards I bought were T206, or not, sorry, not T206, 1952 uh, Bowman. Um, I found them in a flea market that my grandparents, uh, we went to, and I just, I still have those things. They're still in the same plastic bag that they were in uh, when I bought them. You were... It was funny, you were talking about the 1965 set that you still know, you still know the original ones and you still know the 15 that you (laughs) bought afterward, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, You know, I still have the 54 Bowman and Tops that I bought from my neighbor, the uh, baseball, that uh, his dad and mom, they didn't want them. And he traded me an old bike that I had uh, for some 54 Bowman and Tops. He was happy and I was happy.
3: You know, it's it's that those cool. early early memories buying that kind of stuff and, and you, you you just remember where you were and you remember what you know, what took place. You remember the transaction, you remember it was a show or whatever it was, or you traded the bicycle with the neighbor, so on and so forth. You <laughs> know, those are all things <laughs> right, that right, really, right. really stick in your mind. And you know, I'm so, I'm yeah. gonna be fifty nine this year. I still remember stuff when I was seven years old like it was yesterday.
1: With, with a lot of these, but cards. See, that's why, from, that's, and that's why we, that's why we collect though. I think, you know, cause it, you know, oh, yeah, yeah. All, all of us, you know, all of us can go back and we can reflect on life and say, geez, I've had some really hard times, but then you, you know, you look at a baseball card or a football card, or there's something about your collection that mm-hmm. you, it takes you to a time when you remember when things were much more simple. Um, right. Right. You know, yep. you know, how, I shared the story about I was in Sicily and came across a, uh, a an antique market and there was like a 1000 1958 and 59 Topps baseball cards there all in <laughs> fantastic condition and uh, I you know next to a World War 2 stretcher of all things you know an Italian yeah. World War 2 stretcher and I'm sitting there and it, it my wife's looking at me like what the hell are you doing you're shelling out this money for what are you buying these things for and I was like you have no idea <laughs> and uh, I just <clears throat>
2: Well, I humble, did, you, know, been, you know, I didn't get, uh, I, did, I I collected just basic stuff up until, you know, but I can, I can remember, uh, you know, 78, 79, football, 80. And at some point, you know, some kid on my school bus had a, uh, had a, had a uh, OJ Simpson. And I remember mm-hmm. I had to trade probably like 30 cards, but I wanted that OJ card. Uh, you, you know, he was, yeah. he was still playing at the time, yeah, and you know, yeah, it's just it's interesting. I can remember being on that lunch or on that uh, on that bus, kept all of my cards, you know, rubber banded together in my lunch pail. You know, it's, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're you're right. It is a, a simpler time.
1: That's probably yeah, the problem with any... the majority of the stuff I have in storage is because it's all in probably rubber bands, and I mean it's been there for. I haven't seen some of the stuff in twenty plus years, guys. Wow, wow. Do you have yeah, any be memorable? Interesting.
3: memorable memorable collecting experiences you want to share with our listeners I do, you got you, you discussed several already but i don't know if there's one that really sticks out uh over the years I, I
1: i gotta be on i mean honestly um collecting we all have great stories um but i can this 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 story is probably um collecting actually Um, you know, when you look at your credit score and you look at, uh, you're like, how did I survive those lean years? Um, I know some folks have had to sell know, I I know some folks have had to sell, uh, some things over the years and, and they look back and, and, and regret. Um, you know, I had a period of time, uh, my, my starter wife, uh, the mother of my two girls, um, she ran us into a bunch of debt. She took off. she wasn't even home. I was on submarine deployment. I had no idea none of this was going on. Um, I came home as a young E5 Petty Officer Second Class, looking at about 10 grand in debt. Both car payments were behind. The house payment was three months behind. No bills had been paid, and I grabbed—I literally grabbed some binders um, and went to a local uh, card dealer in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, the guy was extremely fair with me. Um, gave me a decent price uh, on my cards, and quite honestly, um, wow you know i don't look i don't look back on re- with any kind of regret it was actually this is how collecting is kind of I, I use it as a as mm. an a, like a philosophy of it's also an investment yeah and in this case you know this particular situation you know it saved my skin um yeah mm-hmm. had i had mm-hmm. cash or liquid liquid cash or liquid anything um and so that i know it's not quite the the same um uh, as what you guys normally get as far as like, you know, people find these gigantic finds and things like that.
0: Um, I, <laughs> I, I
1: kind of wanted to point out the fact that besides the great people that are in the collecting, um, I know some, there, there's a lot of skepticism about, uh, you know, uh, grading and, and companies and things like And I don't get into any of that stuff. I try and uh, you find great friends in collecting great friends through the networks, um, discard those that you know are not good. Um, And stick with the tried and true. And it's been a. For I've been doing this for. I'll be 49, or I'll be 50 this August, and uh, I've been collecting 40 years. And I've had, I'd say, 98% of the time has been great experiences so far. And meeting folks like you guys. And I'm my first national. I've never been to a national. I'm excited to come. I'm flying all the way from here. Uh, really to come see you, Knucklehead, So um, I'm excited, <laughs> uh, and you know, just spill some you know, beers and cool. talk about cards and and. The
3: yeah, national probably. for those who who've never come, it's it's an amazing experience. That's all I got to say. And, and it's even a greater experience when you when you meet people who you've talked either you know mm-hmm. on the phone or online for years. And you meet them in person mm-hmm. for the first time, and it's it's an amazing experience. And I and I can guarantee you, Dan, uh, you won't regret coming out to uh, Rosemont no, for this I, year's Snatch. No, that's gonna be, it'll, You'll have a, a phenomenal time. I'm sure you will. I'm the,
2: sure you will. Even the people
3: meeting people have Joe, been
1: so have amazing. <laughs> oh, so Joe's gonna be there? You sure? <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it.
2: My uh <laughs> Yeah, I'm working on it. My my. my my, my wife's mom is having some health issues that we're trying to trying to work through. So. I, I, oh. I told Joe he has to show up at least one
3: day there. I don't care if he gets off the airplane and then picks up a red eye that night. He's got to come.
2: Through. Well, hey, we're hey, yeah, I got to ask you. I, I, well, it, oh. I have one more quick question. I'm sorry, Bob. Uh, no, sorry right, I mean, Chick Chick Parley Chick was. I, I had to had to Google this. You know, you know, a couple days ago before you know you came on, but. Chick Harley, I noted, and you and you touched on it too, was you know you put in a VA hospital where he spent most of yeah. his life. And yeah. And I know, I know he was he was uh, diagnosed with a like a like schizophrenia or something schizophrenia. Like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no. Honestly, guys, I I think his I think he showed every symptom of what we now call CTI. Um, oh wow! Wow. You know we, wow. you know if you if you go back and look at his timeline of how this absolute rock star in high school, normal kid in college. Um, you look at his face and pictures, it's almost like, if you look at him from 1916 to 1919, and then he played, he went to the Bears, uh, ironically, in 21. Uh, he mm-hmm, was there yeah. briefly. He was a part a part owner in the Bears, him and his brother. Uh, and he was already showing major signs of, of dementia. Uh, and his face was like a roadmap of of I think, honestly, playing in leather helmets, taking, you know, major hits to the head. Um, Also, in 18, he was uh, in an aircraft incident uh, as a pilot uh, training for World War I. Um, And, you know, it's just hard to say. So he spent,
2: you know, from like age 24 to age 74 when he passed away, he spent 50 years in a VA hospital. Yeah, 54 years. And Just incredible. he
1: escaped uh, one or two times out of Danville uh, he he would like ditch the place and then show up somewhere and then they'd return him um, so that happened a couple times but other than that he was inside the hospital the whole time
3: wow Wow! that's so, that's, that's, that's hard what a sad story well Dan I thank you so yeah. much for being on the show today I appreciate it and we will break bread when we uh, see you in Chicago I look forward Dan, to being awesome you in person thank you Yep. They, be I appreciate it
1: guys.
2: Yeah, thank you. And I owe you uh, an email back about your uh, your Brown inquiry that you uh, you sent me an email to. Sorry about that, I'm a little uh, <laughs> a little distracted lately.
1: Right. Uh no no worries guys. I, I it's an honor and uh and and back to you and uh what you guys do for the community, uh Gridiron Greats. Um you know, it's it's hard for actually magazines and articles are hard to for me to because it's hit or miss when they whether they come or not. So guys folks are sending them to me. Um, so I get them always and read them avidly. Um, but what you guys do back for the community and then uh, and, and and the community at all at large uh, has been fantastic and very supportive of of each other. I mean, I see on the different forums that are out there, and it's just unbelievable how the the community comes together. So I look forward to meeting you guys. Okay, thank you, Dan.
2: Very well, very well said, Dan. Thank you. And have a good night. I know it's uh, I had to look it up again, but I know it's six o'clock. They're almost seven o'clock. So we'll grab some dinner.
1: <laughs> Thanks. Sure. You guys have a good one. See you, buddy. Thanks. Take care, Joe. Bye. We're yes, running sir. out
3: of time here. Let's go right into our goal line stance. Pick up on tonight's show.
2: Gave me goosebumps. I've, uh, I've known Dan a long time, and uh, never spoken to him because of the time difference. Uh, but uh, I just, I that was great to hear him and uh, and you know and, mm-hmm. and, and and talk to him. I mean, we've we've got a we're we're kind of a kindred there. I mean, both being ex-Navy, well, he's currently Navy, uh, just both, you know, the Navy and then obviously a passion for collecting. Just, uh, he mentioned it, a, you know, a couple times there, just, uh, you know, the passion for the hobby and how you, how you get become, you, you pick up good friends, I mean, through this hobby. And, you uh, and I would, know, I would put him in that present company. Just a, a great, uh, great show, you know, tip of the hat to you, sir, for, uh, for getting him on. You know, that, that was pretty cool.
3: And I want to I want to add to what he said that 90 percent of his experiences have been positive, and he even took a bad experience and made it a positive. Uh, with the issues when he had yeah. to sell his collection to pay the bills, and you know, yeah, as much as I've become a somewhat of an old old grouch in the hobby, um, I still <laughs> look at the positive of the people that I've made friends with, and a lot of people who you know believe it or not, I've traded cards with for 30, 35 years now. And uh, it's 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 a nice hobby, and if we can just maintain the positive aspects of the hobby, and not the people trying to steal from one another in the hobby, I think it's it's, yeah. it's a much better hobby in the long run. And, and I appreciate what Dan said, and you know what you know what he said, and uh, you know you and I, you know we're on the same wavelength as far as as far as helping other collectors and trying to trying to promote the hobby. And uh, yeah. and doing that.
2: Well, all right. Well, well I, I've I've had my bad experiences with un, you know, with uh with with wax packs and cellos. I just I I, I moved on. know and you know, no. it, you know, even the four day no. lease, you know, being trimmed. You just you move on and you become an advocate to help educate other collectors. So.
3: Well, yeah. There's there's so much other stuff and. and that's a big reason why I, I'm turning back to publications again. And, um, you know, I just love reading about the game. I love the magazine. I love the media guide. I love the program. I love the older books. And, you know, th- to me, that suffices me. Uh, I, I have no problem picking up, you know, programs from the Sundays from crying out loud and rereading them again and, and just um, just oh, following, following them. All right, we're almost out of time. I get real quick, again, we're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website, msbsportscards.com, and BSC Auctions. Check out their website, bscauctions.com. We'll be back in June for two shows. Uh, I'm taking a necessary break over the next few weeks, and we'll be back in June. With, uh, a couple new shows and a couple new guests. Joe, I look forward to hopefully seeing you this summer at the National. And, Indeed uh, yes, sir.
2: Thanks for being on today. All
3: right. uh,
2: And happy anniversary to you and Brenda, by the way, Bob. All right.
3: Thank you very much.
2: I appreciate it.
0: Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network.